welcome back to another episode of the Shag Sports Talk podcast. This is episode number 36 of the Shag Sports Talk podcast. We're back here with another episode today on this Friday afternoon. We got a football Friday. It's an NFL podcast. We got wild card weekend starting tomorrow with Browns, Texans, and Chiefs, Dolphins as the night game Saturday night. We have a playoff slate ahead. We got NFL to talk about. You know, there should be an NBA podcast. I'm there's probably going to be a two podcasts. It's a two-part podcast, most likely. Uh, there will be an NBA podcast on the way sometime over the weekend. So you're going to get this NFL podcast that we're going to talk today. This is an NFL podcast. And then later on, sometime over during the weekend, you're going to get another podcast of just strictly NBA. We're going to talk a bunch of topics and all that good stuff. So we're going to go over the wild card games, giving my predictions like we always do for the NFL, uh, for the NFL slate. We're going to go through games, pick them. And then we're all the Shags 5 at the end. I've determined we're going to go three games. We're going to pick three games for the Shags 5 and then so on and so forth. So that's what we're going to be doing today. So I don't want to waste any more time. I want to get straight into it because there's a lot of good matchups this week. So without further ado, let's get into it. So before we hop into the wild card predictions, I want to talk about the coaching carousel that's been going on in just the NFL, the, the football world in the last in the last week, roughly. I mean, there's been so much crazy head coaching jobs fired, retirements, and I just kind of want to shed some light on it. We'll just recap it. Uh, we'll start off with Mike Rabel. Uh, I thought that stunned me. I knew he wouldn't go. I, I knew he would go. Because we talked about him potentially being the successor to Bill Belichick on this podcast last week. Uh, I talked about how I thought if it's not Gerard Mayo, it would be Mike Vrabel. And we learned today it's Gerard Mayo. And I'll give my thoughts on that in a second. But one of the things I want to talk about is how the Titans fired, fired their head coach. uh, Who I think, Mike Vrabel, a guy who's gone to an AFC championship game. He's one of the seven best coaches in football. If we reset the NFL and we were able to pick, we had the draft and we pick coaches, he would not fall lower than seven. Like he's a top, he's to me a top five coach in the NFL. I mean, yes, you got your Belichick's, but you know, he's on the way out. Pete Carroll, again, he's on the way out as well. The, those are two guys that, you know, parted ways with their respective organizations. Uh, I'm stunned that they fired him. Not like there's a mutually, you know, mutual parting ways. They fired him. So now where does he go? Now where does he go? Does he go to Washington where they already have offensive pieces? I don't know. But I kind of, I'm, I'm my, my dark horse for where he ends up is the, actually the Washington commanders. Um, why do I think that it could be the Buffalo bills. If McDermott gets fired or something like that, I mean, there's definitely some possibilities of some of these playoff teams. Um, could be Vrabel could go to Philly. I don't know, but I I don't think Vrabel's going to like the Cowboys or something like that. I think that's out of the realm. I honestly do see a world where he's the head coach of the Washington Commanders. Harbaugh could be in the mix, but I'm telling you this right now: the Commanders in the last like year or so have been making big, big moves, organizational moves, uh, like moving off. Of, Montez Sweat. I mean, there's they're making some big moves, and I'm telling you this right now. They got the assistant GM in San Francisco. That was the big move that they made. The next big move is going to be their head coach. And now, who's that head coach going to be? I don't know. 
I really don't know. It could be a bunch of different guys, but I'm telling you right now, I think they're going to land a big fish in terms of a head coach. I think they're going to land that big name. I don't know who it's going to be, but I think I'm pretty confident in the way their organization's being run with all the big names in it, Bob Myers, Magic Johnson, Josh Harris. I mean, you're you're looking at, I'm telling you right now, take, give the commanders two years. If they get that quarterback correct, woo, man, they're going to be a problem. They're going to rebuild the defense, but I really think you look at the commanders, they're making all the right moves in the organization. It's about they're they're one head coach. They're they're head coaching higher this year and nailing that second that third overall pick, the second or third overall pick. I think they have the second. I think they have the, yeah. Yes, they have the second overall pick. If they nail that second overall pick with Drake May or Caleb Williams, they are they're in prime position. And we're talking about them being threats in the NFC. Uh Saban, again, he retired. I mean, there's so many coaches retiring, and then the Washington head coach who just coached a national championship is trying to take the job at Alabama currently. So there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of interesting moves going on, and, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that more as the offseason goes on and stuff. But I'd just like to shed some light on that. And before we leave, or before we leave, but before we head into the wild card predictions, we're, I want to talk about Gerard Mayo. So I'm surprised at the Patriots because I feel like, yes, in the contract, supposedly it said that Gerard Mayo was the successor to Bill Belichick. And I totally understand that. But in the current world of the head coaches that are available currently, the fact that they didn't take a shot on any of them kind of surprises me. I'm not stunned. I'm not like, how could they do such a thing? But they didn't even take a chance on a guy like Vrabel. They didn't even give an interview. They went straight to the successor, which was in this contract, obviously, which I totally understand. But I don't know. Maybe it's just me. All right, let's get to the wild card games. So we'll go in order, and look, I'm really looking forward to this. I think a lot of these matchups are really equal. I think there's some high spreads, like the Bills game we'll talk about, and there's some really bad weather, which could impact some of these games. I think a bunch of these games are going to be very close, like minuscule things that are going to end up deciding this game. So let's start off. Browns-Texans. Okay. You have the Browns' elite defense traveling to Houston to take on C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans. The Texans are one-and-a-half-point underdogs via FanDuel. Uh, I think that line's now two-and-a-half. It's The line's been kind of all over the place. I think it's I think it's two. I'll double-check that right now, but on FanDuel, I'm pretty sure it's two. Here we go. Uh, yes. Actually, no, it's two-and-a-half, excuse me. So it's a two-and-a-half spread for Cleveland. Cleveland is the favorite in this game. Cleveland played them a few weeks ago. I think it was Christmas Eve. Amari Cooper went off. They had no answer for him. And I think that will change in this game. Here's the thing. C.J. Stroud did not play in that game. They gave 22 points to the Texans. Yeah, some of it was in garbage time, but 22 points to Case Keenum is definitely something. They did score 36 points. So let's break down the Browns' offense first. We'll start there. Um Kevin Stefanski, I think he has to be coach of the year. I'm a Steeler fan. He has to be coach of the year. Dan Campbell's done a great job. There's a bunch of guys, Mike McDaniel. There's a bunch of guys who've done a really good job. Harbaugh, there's a ton of guys you can give coach of the year to. But Kevin Stefanski, what he's been able to do with Joe Flacco these last like six weeks, I don't know how he's not coach of the year. I mean, he's literally, like from an offense perspective, he's Joe Flacco has elevated them over the $300 million guy they paid to Sean Watson. I mean, Flacco was just – he came off the couch and immediately took him one week, and the offense was humming, humming. 
Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore. I mean, all these guys, I mean, they are on a roll. And their offense can't be stopped. They're having a ton of success in the run. And in the past, I think especially, which has been really impressive to me, is that they, they've been able to – they've been having this gunslinger mentality with Joe Flacco. And I think the big thing here, the big takeaway, honestly, in this game, comes down to a few things, right? If they can't generate pressure, and they, I mean the Texans, if they can't generate any pressure on Joe Flacco, and pressure does not mean you, like, sacking the quarterback. Just move him off his spot, right? That's the big thing for me. If you're the Houston Texans and, you know, you're D'Amico Ryans, you're def- you were a linebacker, you got to get him moving. Like, and him, I mean Flacco. You have to get Joe Flacco moving out of the pocket. If you're on a down-to-down basis tomorrow, getting him out of the pocket, you're winning. You're winning that play. You're winning the game. Because I think the big thing for them is if Joe Flacco's escaping out of the pocket, because he's he's old. Like, let's be honest. He's he's an older guy. He's an older fella. And if he if he's moving out of the pocket, like they're gonna they're gonna have some problems because it messes up timing. And look, if Joe Flacco is able to get out of the pocket and make plays, then you got to tip your cap because what they generated no pressure, absolutely zero. And he was darting the ball to Amari Cooper and David Njoku and Jerome Ford was running wild on them. The last few weeks, I mean, no defense has really been able to stop the Browns. Let's talk about the Browns' defense versus the Texans' offense. Okay. I praise C.J. Stroud last week about the game in Indy where he just he just balled out, man. Like, he he went in there. You know, like, I don't consider Nico Collins a wide receiver one. I understand he his production is a wide receiver one material. But I don't view him as a wide receiver one in this league. And he's, I mean, elevated his game. I mean, they've both elevated each other. Don't get me wrong. I don't I don't think it's like an unbalanced thing, but Stroud has been playing elite football. Elite football. And now he's taken on arguably one of the best defenses in football. And I have a little theory on the Browns. So all week I've been all over Cleveland. I thought that their defense, thinking about it, they're gonna get after them. Like, cause when you think of Cleveland's defense, you think they're an elite group and they are very, very good. At, but, yes, they are very good. I'm not saying they're bad. But here's my problem with them. Look at the numbers they give up at home and the numbers they give up on the road. It's a very, very simple. Three points to Cincinnati at home in week one, then 26 to Pittsburgh on the road. They give up 31 to Baltimore on the road, and then they shut out Arizona. I mean, they are very they, – they are elite. Elite, and this is, I think, the stretch that's really concerned me. And look, yes, their defense has dialed in, but they still gave up. If you want to count the game, thirty-one points to the Bengals on the road. They don't really play well defensively on the road. Thirty-six points to the Rams, twenty-nine to the Broncos, thirty-one to the Ravens. When you look at this game, C.J. Stroud and this offense can have success in this game. And if it's a shootout game, they're not winning this game. I don't think. I'd be surprised. I don't see them winning the game if it's a shootout because I think that I trust CJ Stroud more than I do with Joe Flacco just in terms of you got two minutes left, you're at home, go get the job done for us. In terms of the prediction for this game, I said I was all over Cleveland. I kind of backed away. I was leaning towards Houston a few days ago, 
And as I sit here today, I'm taking the Cleveland Browns to win this game. Yes, I already talked about their defense and how the defense on the road has been a little skeptical. But hear me out. Joe Flacco just has to play solid football. Not consistently turning the ball over. Just play solid football. Don't turn the ball over. They'll have success in the ground game. Uh, People think that they're going to get shut out in the run game. I don't think so. Cleveland has been able to run the ball on every team this year pretty much if they've wanted to, and I don't think that's really going to change a whole ton. Uh, I look at this game, and I love Cleveland in the spot just for the simple fact that I like their defense. Their defense flies around. The Denzel Ward injury does concern me, but the more I talk about this game, the more I end up talking myself into Cleveland. Give me Cleveland to cover the spread at minus 2.5. I'm going to take Cleveland 26, Texans 21. Okay. Let's move on to our next game. We got Chiefs and the Dolphins. Okay, so this is another really good game. Until you look at the weather, right? The weather indicates this game in a nutshell. It's supposed to feel like negative 30 with some wind chill in Arrowhead. Two is supposedly not wearing gloves. I think this is an awful spot for the Miami Dolphins. And before this whole weather thing came out, I was all over Kansas City. The the line opened at minus three. Now it's minus four and a half. I love Kansas City in the spot. They're at home. They got a Miami team. We've talked about this on the podcast numerous times, even in my old podcast. These warm weather teams coming into these cold weather environments do not succeed. They don't. Typically, they don't. Yes, San Francisco, yes, a few years ago, they went into Arrowhead and they beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. But typically, you don't see West Coast teams go into the East Coast environments or just the cold weather environments in general because Kansas City is not really East Coast. The cold weather environments and go in there and dominate and win. You don't, you just don't see it. Um, And Miami's kind of been falling apart. If you watch that Buffalo game, they should have beaten Buffalo. Buffalo really didn't play well, for being completely honest. Buffalo was pretty bad for three quarters. Josh Allen kept them in the game by throwing throwing the ball to the other team. He had the bad fumble, which they had three points in their back pocket, and he fumbles. The punt return opened up everything for them, honestly. But really, the Mi- Miami blew that game, and they blew the division. And now they got to go to Arrowhead. Yes, they're going to have Waddle, but they're going to have Mostert. But it's going to feel negative 30 degrees outside, and that does not favor Miami. Look, do I think Miami's going to get slaughtered? No, I don't. I think Miami will be competitive. But here's the problem. I don't see them winning the game. I'd be really surprised if they go into Arrowhead and beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Because, yes, the defense is elite for Kansas City. But they are vulnerable to the run, which does concern me a little bit. Achan, Mostert, they can break loose against this team. They can. Uh, and, and look, I'm not going to deny it. And the Chiefs offense hasn't been great. But I think things got to come together at some point for Kansas City. And I've been banking on this all year. I think Kansas City, they're in a great spot at home. I don't know how they'll do next week if they play Buffalo or whoever. But I'm going to tell you this. I really like them in the spot this week against a warm weather team who's not used to this kind of weather. They don't really know what they're doing. Yes, Tyreek's coming home. 
but that doesn't really concern me because he was locked off for most of that game when they played the first time. I don't really like comparing that game because it was an out-of-country game, and there's so many weird things and like minuscule things that could have affected Miami or affected Kansas City in that game. So I'm, I don't, I'm not going to judge that game in particular. But when I look at this game, Chiefs elite defense uh, in the passing game versus the Miami offense, which is elite on warm in warm weather. But let's see how they do in the cold. I don't really know. It's going to be frigid in Kansas City. I love the Chiefs in the spot. Give me the Chiefs 20, I'm going to say 24, 24, 19 Chiefs. I think it's going to be a very interesting game. I feel like Kansas City is going to be in control for most of this game. The question is, can they score points? And that's the big question. I think they'll do just enough to get the job done. Give me Kansas City 24 to 19. Okay. Let's go on to Buffalo and the Steelers. Steelers. They were supposed to get a foot of snow in Buffalo, and a lot of people think that favors Pittsburgh. I don't really know. I don't really care, just for the simple fact that I don't know what's that weather really supposed to do, right? Like, okay, it's a foot of snow outside. Can we tackle Josh Allen? I don't know. Uh, Yes, Josh Allen could throw the ball more in the game. I don't know, but I think that from a game plan perspective, they learned their lesson last year at Buffalo. Slinging the ball in this weather just does, doesn't really work. They tried to sling the ball versus the Bengals, and it burned them because they couldn't cover anyone. And yes, Burrow, Mason Rudolph is not Joe Burrow. I understand that, but Buffalo didn't really play well from an offensive perspective, and it backfired because they kept slinging the ball. And yes, they did get some runs with Josh Allen, which were successful, but... I think the big thing is running the football. Buffalo's been really good at doing that the last few weeks. And for Kansas, and for Pittsburgh, TJ Watt, if he plays in this game, I really do think we have a serious chance at winning this game. But since he's not playing, I, I don't know how much we're going to do. Because, yes, we should be fine against the pass if Minka plays. I don't even know if Minka's playing this week. If Minka doesn't play, our chances are very slim. And they're very slim to begin with. I think that we can generate some pressure because I don't think the Bills' offensive line is particularly good. And I think that we could really shut off their offense. The question is, how does our offense perform? How does Mason Rudolph perform? Jalen Warren, Najee, they had fumble problems last week. They both like fumbled. They were like bobbling the ball as they were hitting the hole in the gap. Like there's, there's certain things with the Steelers. If they, if their offense is clicking in this game, if their offense clicks in this game, the game can get very uh, scary for Buffalo really fast. And I'm not saying we're going to score 30 points, but if the Steelers are able to consistently go down the field on this Buffalo defense and get points and have long drives, they can really put Buffalo in a tough spot because Miami did the same thing last week. Miami didn't really play that well. Um, Miami didn't play well, but they held on to the ball for a long time. They played great. You know, great offense, you know, from just running running the ball. And they played really good defense on the Bills for three and a half quarters. So, in my prediction, Steelers are 10-point underdogs. But I'm going to lean towards the Steelers to cover the spread but lose in the end. I'm going to say Bills 21, Steelers 13. That's my final score prediction. Packers, Cowboys. Okay. 
Packers are seven-point underdogs on the road in Jerry World. Okay. You look at Dak, you look at this game, I think there's going to be a ton of points scored in this one. I don't think Dallas's defense is going to have a lot of answers for Jordan Love and the Packers. They've been able to score on everybody pretty much for the most part. They've been able to score, get their points. And I think you look at this game, I think Dallas starts off slow defensively, offensively. But in the end, I think Dallas is going to pull away in this game and they will end up backdoor covering the Packers. I like the Cowboys here, minus seven. Give me the Cowboys, 31, Packers, 20. Let's get to Sunday night football, shall we? This is the game everybody's been waiting for. You get peak storytelling, peak script writing, right? In the NFL, because the NFL is script. Matthew Stafford, who was the Lions' best quarterback ever, right? Pretty much. Going back home to Detroit, where he was traded, to go against this new-faced Lions with Jared Goff trying to prove a point to Sean McVay and the Rams. This is... You can't draw a better script than this. You really can't. You can't write a better script. This is peak script writing here. Um, You look at this game, I think a few things. One... There should be a ton of points scored in this game. And if anybody doesn't think that, I genuinely don't know what to tell you. This is a game where people, like, guys are scoring touchdowns in this game. There's going to be 30-plus points scored by both teams. And, look, I said this about the Dallas game because I thought it would be a high-scoring game. But I will say this. Like, Dallas, yes, their defense played very well, and that's kind of why the game was low-scoring. I'm going to tell you this right now. This game right here, there's going to be points scored in this one. I tell you this, I take Stafford, I take Goff. They're both going over their passing totals. I tell you right now, Goff and Stafford going over their passing totals. Amron St. Brown, Cooper Cup, they're going over their receiving totals too. And I think Cooper Cup's going to have a monster game. I think there's going to be a lot of tension towards Puka Nakua. I think that's going to leave Cooper Cup to have a big game underneath. From an X's and O's standpoint, can this Rams defense just – not be extremely bad against the Lions offense. That's really the big question. If they can hold their own, hold their own, be competitive, they should have a good shot at winning this game. I'd like to see how Detroit's defense plays because Detroit's defense got a bunch of talent. CJ Gardner Johnson's back, but again, they just don't play well, right? They don't play well as a unit. They give up points. They do give up a ton of points to bad teams. This is a elite offense in the NFL, an elite offense in the NFL. And we'll see how they play. But I'm going to tell you this. If I'm picking a game here, I'm picking a winner. I'm picking the Rams. They got Super Bowl experience. They got the better head coach. They have the better quarterback, arguably, and the better wide receiver weapons. I think you look at this game, if they have the better offense, better head coach, and the and the more playoff experience here. Yes, they're going into Detroit, which is going to be rocking the first playoff game in Ford Field probably ever. Um, I love the Rams in the spot. You give me an underdog here with a Super Bowl experience, better head coach, better quarterback. Yes, Jared Goff's going to be on a mission. He's going to want to prove to McVay, hey, you should have traded for me. But at the end of the day, they won a Super Bowl. So they kind of very, like, by default won the trade. The Rams, being completely honest. 
But here's what I'm going to say. This is going to be a dogfight. Final score, though, Rams 31, Lions 28. I think the Rams are going to move on into the second round and play the Niners. Let's go to Monday Night Football, final game. We're going Eagles-Bucks. Whoo, man, this is going to be an interesting game. Eagles have looked awful. They've looked like dog shit for six weeks. We're just going to tell how it is. They've looked awful for six weeks. And you look at this game, uh, Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, they playing? I don't really know. I mean, there's so many just, like, question marks with this team. The whole team just seems like they're dysfunctional, just from operation standpoint. Sirianni, I mean, has he lost his balls or something? I'm, I'm being serious. Has he lost his balls? Because I remember last year he was front-running, front-running last year, and he would be in the camera yelling in people's faces and all this other stuff. And, like, this guy, I was like, wow, I'm like, this guy's a prick. But he, like, he fits into, like, the Philly culture. And Philly embraced him. They loved him. And now, like, the tides have completely turned, completely turned. There's talks about him if they lose in the way that they've been losing the last six weeks, that he's gone, fired after leading the team to the Super Bowl last year. I mean, just the way things in the NFL could just turn so fast on you, it's incredible. Um, I just look look, look at the Eagles. I mean, they, they literally, he was like a fan favorite. Everyone's like, Nick Sirianni, he's, he fits Philadelphia, like all this stuff. And now... They hate him. They think he's a loser. And everybody knows now that, like, their success last year from an offensive standpoint was all Shane Steichen. All Shane Steichen. And Brian Johnson can't replicate it. That's really all it is. Um, Brian Johnson isn't an awful coach, um, isn't an awful offensive coordinator, because at the end of the day, the guys on the field got to produce. And the first seven weeks they produced. Um, and you can – Blame about situational play call all you want, but facts are facts. The defense sucks. For all the guys they draft, they talk about drafting these Georgia guys, Carter, Davis. I'm sorry. Am I missing something? Did they, like, did they stop playing the last six weeks? The defensive line has been non-existent. They get zero pressure on the passer. Zero. Doesn't matter if it's Kyler, Baker Mayfield, Joe Flacco. Doesn't matter. They don't get pressure on anybody they didn't even get pressure on tyrod taylor and danny devito or tommy devito whatever his name is they didn't get any pressure on any of those guys the giants offensive line sucks sucks it's awful it's 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 really bad uh outside of andrew thomas it's 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 been it's a bad unit and they are i mean they are i mean just trash they're trash i i don't even know how to explain it. they're just awful and you look at the game here, I think when you look at this game from a standpoint, I don't know. Are they going to show up in Tampa Bay this week? I mean, because, look, playoffs, it's a new season. And they sound mortally defeated. I mean, you get these motivational quotes every week from Jalen Hurts. And, look, I think Jalen Hurts is a good dude. But, man, you got to stop these motivation quotes and show something on the field because every time, I mean, like, every time they ask a question, he gives, like, some, like, motivational quotes, like, nothing to do with – what's actually happening. And the team's just been so dysfunctional. They have all the talent in the world. And look, I was high on them. I, I thought that they would be going back to the Super Bowl. And if anybody can go into Philly, then 
taps caps off to them because they're winning the Super Bowl. And look, that can be San Francisco, but they're not even hosting a home game because they couldn't beat the they couldn't beat the Cardinals. They couldn't beat the Seahawks. Take those two games. They beat the Cardinals and Seahawks. They could have lost to the Giants. They beat the Cardinals and Seahawks. They have they're the two seed. They could be the potential one seed, but they couldn't beat any of those two teams. But let's get back to the Bucks. Bucks. I don't really expect much from them. They're a three point underdog. The game's like a total toss up. I do think Philly's going to win this game. They have to figure it out. I mean, I don't. I don't know how they don't. They're way too talented to lose to this team. They are way too talented to lose to this team. I like the Eagles twenty three to ten. If they if they can't win this game, I, I I honestly don't know what they're gonna do. I don't know what they're gonna do. But that'll do it uh, for my game picks. Let's get to the Shags five, shall we? So for the Shags five, we got three picks for you guys this week. The number one game here, Browns minus two and a half. That's the first game. Simple. Browns on the road. They're the better team, better defense. I like the Browns in this game. I, th- I, I like them a lot. I think that they're going to play well on the road. Give me the Browns minus two and a half. Next game, we're going to go uh, Rams plus three. Rams on the road, same thing. Kind of different scenario, kind of leaning a lot towards the road teams, which I don't really like. We like the Rams plus three here. And then the last one is Cowboys minus the seven. It's a big number at home. It's a touchdown, I understand. And the offense can get going. But again, young quarterback on the road, first playoff start, uh, very young team, youngest team in the NFL going into Jerry World. I like Dallas at that spot at minus seven. Okay. So that'll do it for today's episode of the Shaq Sports Talk podcast. Um, make sure you guys, you know, have your notifications on. You know, this podcast would be up in a little bit. And you also probably have an NBA podcast to tune into as well. So that'll do it for today's episode of the Shaq Sports Talk podcast. Drop your NFL predictions below. And the Shaq Sports Talk podcast is out.